0: So the first thing I have to do is remember that this is a person and we need to establish that trust. And every patient is different. Sometimes you go out there and the patient is ready to start working with you and you get that trust really early. Other times it takes two or three or 10 interactions. And and that's one thing we really believe in is that just keeping coming back, showing up, being there, that will eventually get that trust going.
1: Welcome to Conversations in Care, a special series of the next big thing in health where we come together to have honest and heartfelt conversations about the defining issues in healthcare. I'm your host, Robert Tranum, Executive Vice President here at AHIP. If you'd like to watch the video episode of our discussion, head to YouTube and search for AHIP coverage or check the show notes for links. Come on in. I'm here with Dr. Michael Hockman, CEO of Healthcare in Action. Scan Group's Homeless Medical Group Initiative to learn about how they use street medicine to focus on the care of patients experiencing homelessness in California, a highly vulnerable population. Mike, welcome to the program.
0: Thank you very much for having me.
1: It's good to see you. I want to start with a curveball question, and that is your favorite food.
0: Well, that's not a curveball question. Right? <laughs> That comes right at the tip of my tongue. Uh, Chicago pizza, deep dish.
1: Deep dish. So there's a big deal, right? There's the deep dish and there's the the thin. And you're
0: saying deep dish. Deep dish all the way. And yeah.
1: because why? Is it just the taste? How you grew up? Or
0: it's really good. I you know I grew up in the East Coast. Okay. So I'm used to the thin crust New York pizza, yep. but um, when I went to Chicago, it was just an order of magnitude better. And ever since I've been hooked.
1: Okay. So follow-up question: not about pizza, but it's about really good a uh, snack. Uh, Chicago mix and Garrett's popcorn. Are you familiar with this?
0: I've heard of it, but I, I can't say you I've must, ever had it. You
1: must run, don't walk. You must run to Garrett's popcorn and get the Chicago mix, which is caramel popcorn and cheddar popcorn mixed together. It sounds a little funky, but it's delicious. It's actually probably on par with Chicago deep dish pizza. I know that sounds weird, but it's, trust me, it's good.
0: That sounds very interesting and I am sold on that.
1: Stick with me. You'll you'll be okay if you stick with me. Um, Let's talk about a more serious topic, which is um, unfortunate, but it is a painful truth. And that is, is that there are people uh, that look like you and I that are living paycheck to paycheck, uh, that perhaps has food insecurity, um, folks that uh, have no idea where they're gonna sleep tonight, right? So these are people that have a lot of issues going on and the underlying issue could be health, whether it be mental or physical, This is something that's deeply important to you, why?
0: Well, you know, I I think like many people, happenstance takes you in a certain direction. Um, You know, there was a lot of mental illness in my family. My father spent time in mental health facilities when I was young, that really influenced me. But it really was in my medical training that I um, started working in public safety net settings. I did my training in the safety net in Massachusetts. And uh, I just found it very rewarding helping the most vulnerable Patients and I came to Los Angeles and I saw a big need for it and uh, had an opportunity to to develop a group uh, Focused on on unhoused populations
1: And what is your role at healthcare in action?
0: I am a practicing physician first and foremost in the group and I am the CEO of the group as well What's more important? Well, they're both really important. I my favorite part of my day is seeing patients That's what really keeps it real for me. It lets me know what the problems are and what the priorities are but um, Being the CEO, I also am able to sort of craft the strategy and think, how can we expand this? How can we help more people? Let's
1: unpack this a little bit more. What is the strategy? What is the mission of your organization?
0: So we are one of the only, if not the only group that I'm aware of, medical group that's exclusively dedicated to unhoused populations. Uh, We provide general medical services, behavioral health treatment, addiction and case management uh, for unhoused populations in California. Um, And we don't have any brick and mortar clinics. So we bring care to patients where they are, uh, in mobile vans, in backpacks, whatever it takes to bring care to to the unhoused.
1: So you go to them. There's no expectation for them
0: to come to you. That's right. Why? Well, I worked for many years at the county hospital system at federally qualified health centers. These are great safety net institutions where I did work with a number of homeless patients. But one thing I think all of us realize is that the most vulnerable, the ones who need it the most, the ones with the most severe mental health disorders are the ones who don't even make it in the door. Mm because of transportation issues, because of organization issues, because of the health problems they have. So
1: I wanna go back for a second. You're the CEO of the organization. Do you literally sometimes put on a backpack
0: or get in the van and actually go to where the community is? Do you do that? I do. I actually spend about 30% of my time doing direct care. Oh, wow. Um, so I go out in the vans. I see patients in uh, homeless encampments. Uh, I do a lot of shelter work in, in shelters uh, and interim housing sites. And any success stories
1: that you can share? Any examples that perhaps maybe you can say, literally, I saw this homeless
0: person and I treated him or her, and now they are? Yeah, well, I think the statistic that we're most proud of in the past year that our group has had about 100 patients um, with a housing success, meaning either they were living on the streets and they were moved into a shelter setting, or they were in a shelter setting and they got moved into a permanent environment. And I have probably half a dozen myself that I've worked with where I've seen that outcome. I have one person in particular, he was um, attacked. He was in, in a hospital. Uh, he was living in an encampment and our team met him. Uh, and now he's reconnected with his 13 year old daughter. Uh, he is living in a in a uh, sober living house and he has a job and he's uh, supporting himself. And it's really been a 360 turnaround. So you're putting on the backpack and
1: or you're getting in the van You are going to uh, the place where the person is living and or experiencing some trauma. Walk us through what you're thinking. Walk us through um, what you think that patient is, is experiencing and
0: walk us through the success story. Right, so as a medical provider, I have my goals and priorities. I'm thinking about the blood pressure and the diabetes and the mental health conditions and all the medications that I wanna start. But it's not as simple as that, right? When you go out and meet somebody for the first time, and they have no idea who I am. They don't know if I'm friend or foe. Um, They've lost trust in systems that have failed them in many cases multiple times. So the first thing I have to do is remember that this is a person and we need to establish that trust. And every patient is different. Sometimes you go out there and the patient is ready to start working with you, and you get that trust really early. Other times it takes two or three or 10 interactions and and that's one thing we really believe in is that just keeping coming back, showing up, being there that will eventually get that trust going.
1: I'm curious, do you introduce yourself as Dr. Michael? Um I'm Mike. I'm I'm here to help. How do you how do you how do you establish that first connection?
0: Yeah, well one thing that we've that I've really been heartened to see is that medical professionals are viewed favorably by unhoused populations. I'm not sure we deserve it, but, but we are. And so uh, we have found that when we say that we're a medical provider, I'm Dr. Mike, I'm here to help you, that that, that goes well. Not everybody, but, but that is a way that, that uh, sort of breaks the ice and people understand what I'm there
1: for. When you're finished treating that patient in their environment, let's, let's, let's go there. Let's, let's say it's a tent, that's their home. That's their home in, mm-hmm. in that in that moment. Um, when
0: you leave their home, um, how do you feel? It really is, is a mix. Sometimes I go in and I say, I didn't get that connection that I was hoping for. Uh, we're not ready to take the next steps. Uh, and I start worrying, are we really making progress here? And then uh, when you least expect it and you feel like you have that trust and you're able to get that person that first step or second step or eventually getting them into housing. It it just really feels like nothing else I've done in in healthcare. Do you get any feedback sometimes from the unhoused? We have gotten some of the most uh, grateful notes and letters of appreciation that I've gotten in my entire medical career. I've worked in uh, academic settings with upper middle class populations and I've never gotten more grateful feedback than what I've gotten from from some of our clients. And if you wanted to to know about a specific case or story, there was one uh, couple that was living uh, on on the streets and um, they came to me because they had a rash and it turned out to be scabies and that was what they were concerned about. And we were able to give them a treatment for that and made them feel better. And all of a sudden they started to trust us and realize we were there to help them. And they didn't have their driver's license or their birth certificate. And so they were open to the possibility of us getting that. And we took them all the way along the process. Mm. And now they're living in a transitional housing center together. And it's it's really rewarding. But what started that was the trust we got from just treating this one irritating condition that was bothering them. What do you think is the biggest um, misperception about homelessness that most Americans, quite frankly, may not know about? Well, the first thing you said that really caught my attention is people who look like you and me. And when you first go out there, and a lot of times the patients we see are disheveled and they're dirty, they haven't had a shower. But once you get them on the medical treatment and you get them um, thinking a little more coherently and get them in the shower, you realize they're the same people that you and I are, the same hopes, fears, dreams, goals. I want to Yes, I want to
1: put a finer point. They're someone's aunt, someone's uncle, someone's parent, someone's brother or sister. They're they're you and I. Let's be let's be clear.
0: They they absolutely are. And on top of that, because they have had harder life than many of us have, I find them to be some of the most empathetic people I've ever met. Yeah, because I think they could say I, I've kind of been there at rock bottom, so I kind of know what that feels like and looks like in many ways. I, I think that's exactly right. And yeah. I think they have an appreciation and a resilience about them that uh, that they've earned from, from what they've gone through. So the New York Times recently published a story about the
1: unbelievable work that you're doing. Uh, what exactly did they highlight that you're most proud of?
0: Well, I think they highlighted our staff. They picked one member on our team who um, went out and met a patient and connected with him in a very human way. Um, she provided great medical care and social service, but even more than that, it was just the interpersonal connection that was probably more valuable than any of that. Uh, she went through him in the journey. She followed him longitudinally. It was not a one and done situation. And the part that the New York Times didn't um, mention is that that patient is now uh, housed in a in a sheltered environment. We were crossing our fingers it stays that way, but it was really that human connection that that got him there. Another success story. That's right. You
1: know. Um, I'm going to contradict myself here, Michael, because um, in many ways, you want to scale this. Mm-hmm. And so I want to talk about that. But in some ways, I know this will sound strange. Do you really want to scale this because of the, the really strong mm-hmm. relationships that you have on the ground? I guess that's the question. How do you maintain that um, that deep level of trust where you're going to someone's home and and, and
0: and really connecting on a deeply personal level? How do you scale that? Will you put your finger on the precise tension that we struggle with? Helping people is a one-on-one activity that we that we do face-to-face, but yet there's 600,000 unhoused people in the United States, there's 70,000 in Los Angeles County, a couple hundred thousand in California. And if we start thinking about the tens and thousands and hundreds of thousands, you can't do the day-to-day work. But that's why we're really blessed to be partnered with Scan Group, our parent company, and many of the other health plans at this uh, AHIP meeting um, that can really think about the big picture and can give us the partnership and the infrastructure that we can take the day-to-day work to a bigger scale. Healthcare in action, its mission in three sentences or less. So we are a medical group that is exclusively dedicated to unhoused populations. We provide provide medical care, behavioral health treatment, addiction, and case management. And our goals are twofold, to stabilize the health conditions of our patients, and just as importantly, to work to getting them housed. So we know there's a lot of folks out there that have a really good heart, and their mission is very clear, that's in this space. Uh, How is your organization different? I should begin by acknowledging the people who have really been the godfathers of this field. Boston Healthcare for the Homeless, uh, the University of Southern California has had a very well-established street medicine program. So there are, as you said, many other groups that are doing really wonderful work. What we're doing that's different is that we're trying to find a sustainable business model. And that's been really through the partnership with our parent company, Scan Group, which is a managed care organization that has allowed us to think, how do we sustain this? How do we uh, create a business model so that as a nonprofit, we can keep growing and and caring for more patients rather than just the the ones that we are able to support through charity or philanthropy?
1: Walk us through the journey, the life cycle, if you will. So I'm projecting here a little bit, but is it that you just take care of the situation then, and then you walk away? Or is it that you take care of the situation and you help them through the whole entire journey? Whatever that journey might look like.
0: So in the homeless field, we talk about a continuum of care. You start with somebody who's on the street and maybe they get moved into an interim housing situation where they get stabilized, and then they find a good long-term permanent solution for them. And I wish I could say that it's always a perfectly straight line. It never is. But people are always Falling off that path. Maybe it's in transitional housing. Maybe it's even after they've gotten into permanent housing and they realize that they're isolated from that community that they knew on the streets. It's not a community that you and I would find enriching, but it's their community. And that's why we really believe it's it's not good enough just to get them into that permanent housing, but we actually have to stick with them. We try to stay with them for at least three months, but in many cases it requires longer than that because your risk of falling back into homelessness is, is so high in those first three to six months. So the life cycle, as I understand, is pretty
1: cross-functional. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of teams that pretty much help uh, an individual or their families
0: go through this cycle. Walk us through that. Well, our team looks a lot different than many other community health centers or clinics. Um, we have medical providers, um, but more at least as importantly, I should say, we have um, community health workers or peer navigators. These are folks who um, in many cases themselves have been homeless or struggled with substance use and they're able to connect with the patients uh, in ways that uh, standard medical professionals might not be able to. And they are just so important for that rapport building. We also have um, social workers. We are heavier in our behavioral health and substance use services. So it really does take uh, a multi disciplinary team, and it's not just the medical provider uh, that's important about what we do.
1: So for the folks out there, Mike, that are watching this and incredibly inspired by healthcare in action, how can they help when it comes to rolling up their sleeves and volunteering, uh, rolling up their sleeves in the boardroom? Um, What does that look like
0: for you? How can folks show up and help? Well, I think that uh, health plans and managed care organizations in general have a unique opportunity to be helpful in this space. I think because of the population health focus that many health plans have, um, we, we need to start thinking about it, it from that perspective, from a public health perspective, from a population health, from a managed care perspective. And, um, you know, I think health plans are the ones that can create the infrastructure, the contracts that will make homeless health care services sustainable to acknowledge that this does require an investment, but there's a return on that investment. When we get somebody out of the streets, they're going to be healthier, they're going to have fewer. ER and hospital visits. are going to need less specialty care. And more importantly, they're going to be able to give back to society. They're going to get back to jobs and taking care of their kids and their families. So I, I really do think that health plans, um, I'm excited about the opportunity to partner with them uh, to, to together take this challenge on. Mike, um, the next big thing in health, according to you, is... Well, we have amazing tools. Uh, Since I went to medical school, graduated 20 years ago, uh, the the genetic progress that's been made, the pharmaceutical progress that's been made, surgical surgery has progressed, the technology. What we need to do is is bring that to a wider population so that everyone benefits from it. So scale. It's it's another scale question. Yeah. That's right. You know, it's interesting.
1: How do you innovate and how do you scale? But how do you do it in a way that's compassionate? Mm -hmm. And how do you do it in a way where the relationship still is authentic? Mm -hmm. When you scale, sometimes you lose some of that secret sauce, which is exactly what you don't want.
0: Well, that's what we struggle with uh, with a day-to-day basis. Whenever we try to Think big, we forget about the one-on-one interactions, and healthcare is all about those one-on-one interactions. That's where the rubber meets the road. Very well said. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much. Appreciate it.